Pipe Town. New Blairs. That's what <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Nah. I had just the last uh, case of beer I had bought for in the fridge was from New Glarus, but decided to change it up since I got a free glass with this uh, 12 pack. Ah, uh, nice. Mm-hmm. Er- Eric, Eric, what are you drinking tonight? Moscato out of a box. Oh, nice. Boxed wine. There's a good. Uh, are, are either of you familiar with the television show Home Movies? I'm not. I'm no. not. Okay, that's okay. You don't you don't really have to be. But there was a there was a gag on the show about boxed wine. It was kind of funny. Uh, I, it amused me as a young person, and 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 it still and it still sticks with me to this day. Whenever someone says they're drinking boxed wine, I'm like, ha ha, boxed wine, like in home movies, and whatever. Uh, nope, nobody understands it. Anyway, what anyway, are you welcome? Oh, what are what you drinking, drinking, Brandon? I'm, I'm drinking. Hey. I'm drinking Lake. I'm drinking Lake Michigan's finest tap water right now. Yeah, I mean it is Monday so, night. So on some level, yeah, it is Monday night. So on some level, I'm living vicariously through the two of you. It's it's Monday night, and the Cubs have already been rain, rained out. So, mm. so there's there's no reason for me to to imbibe. Although I'm talking to the two of you, which is which is of course reason enough. Yeah, reason <laughs> enough. Reason enough. And and on that note, welcome to an NL Central podcast where we recap the week in the National League Central, the division to watch here in the 2016 baseball season, at least for some of us here in the Midwest, and particularly for me, uh, Brandon Lee of Spanish and Ten, Cubs fan, and the Cubs sitting very, very pretty atop the National League Central at 24 and 6. 24 and 6 heading into play today, and the Cubs have been rained out, so that will that will stay at 24 and 6 today. Uh, I'm joined today by Ross Buckowitz of Banish to the Pen. Hello, Ross. Hello, Brandon. Hey, and I'm also joined by Eric Roseberry of Red Reporter. Hello, Eric. Hey, how's it going? It it is going. It is going. Uh, let's let's run down let's run down the rest of the standings here uh, in the National League Central real quick. It, after the Cubs, it's it's Pittsburgh at 17 and 14, seven and a half back. Cardinals at 16 and 16, nine back. Uh, Ross's Milwaukee Brewers at 13 and 18, 11 and a half back. And Eric's Cincinnati Reds at 13 and 19, 12 games back. Any anything stand out to you guys this week for for the division for your teams? Well, we had that fun uh, seven run 11th inning against Eric's Reds on uh, Saturday night. <laughs> oh, that's right. Your teams played each other over the weekend. Split it. Fittingly, they split the four-game series. We uh, Cincinnati did have the Johnny Cueto return game this week. Oh, oh, what was it? What what was the reaction to the Johnny Cueto return game? Was so was it was it pleasant? Was it golf clap booze? They uh they lit him up pretty hard, and uh, as he was kind of going off the rails, there was a lot of controversy because there was a group of Reds fans that started the the Pittsburgh Cueto chant at him. Ooh. And there were some fans not happy, so we had the lead and lost it, which has been a fitting theme to this season. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I guess that was fun, though. It was. It seemed It seemed fun at the time, it seemed I guess. Mm-hmm. It seemed fun at the time. Every yeah, game it, is fun until the seventh inning. Oof, oof. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to the Reds' bullpen. We'll get to the Reds' bullpen a little later. The, the Cubs had a super good week. Uh, they... Uh, perfect week, right? Perfect week. Sweep, uh, sweep of the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Sweep of the Nationals in Chicago, and uh, we'll get to we'll get to that a little later. Eric was at the at Game Four of the of the Cubs National Series, and he got to see a little bit of history, a little bit of history with Bryce Harper, <laughs> and and we'll get we'll get into that later. We have a we have a fun play index segment, uh, but I want to I want to throw it over to Ross first because. You're 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 a Brewers fan, and this is <sighs> and and in this the the third episode of of an NL Central show this year. This is the first this is the first time we've had a Brewers rep on. So uh, I I've gotten to see I've gotten to see the Brewers uh, play against the Cubs for a series this year, and I think they've made their way around the division and had a chance to play everyone. But what are your impressions of the Brewers' season so far, and what are some of the things that you're going to be looking forward to this year? Well, coming into the year, I I pretty well knew that this was going to be kind of a rough year for the Brewers. I didn't think it was going to be quite so 
bad, particularly, you know, in the starting pitching round. But I, I knew this was a team that would have to get lucky to win more than 70 games. And it's looking they might they might have to be lucky to get to 70 wins so far, seeing as we have already DFA'd one of our uh, five or one of our four original members of this year's starting rotation. And our opening day starter is currently sporting a ERA uh, north of six and a half, which is just wonderful. That's, that's, a, that's a large number. <laughs> yeah. The, the lone bright spot so far has been Jimmy Nelson, uh, which I'd, he didn't start opening day for uh, reasons, I guess. Um, but Council decided to go with Willie Peralta, who... He's been having a rough go of it, though he did have a okay start tonight against the Marlins, uh, and he recently had a baby with uh, hey, Martin Maldonado I... being the godfather. So hey, that's a bright spot. Congratulations to them mm-hmm. when when they listen to this, of course. Yes, exactly. I'm I'm sure uh, Willie Peralta is dying to listen to something where I talk about how poorly he's pitched and then congratulate him on a uh, the birth of his child. But yeah, uh, getting back to the the season, um, you know, the offense has been okay. It was you know a little bit below average before they had their little outburst against uh, Cincinnati the past few days, and now it's kind of cracked about league average, and that's mostly buoyed by uh, Ryan Braun being back, so to speak. I know there was um, I think it was Mark Simon had or someone had sent a tweet about how. Uh, he never really left, or so, to, or he's he's been back, and we're just now noticing. But uh, ever since they figured out how to handle the nerve issue in his thumb, he's really kind of been uh, vintage Braun again, which is kind of a very fun thing to see. Uh, you know, he's got one of the prettiest right-handed swings you're ever going to see, even if he's, you know, he's got a checkered past, but that's okay. <laughs> a lot of ball players yeah. do. Um, and then. Chris Carter's been uh, running in some balls so far this year, so that's resulted in quite a few dingers. And well, dingers are fun, and he hits dingers them. Dingers are great. Dingers are great. Love dingers. Hey, he's actually m- that's way better than I expected. Yeah, I was expecting down in the two uh, twenties, but I suppose when you put ten over the wall in uh, April, it really helps with the batting average. Six fifty four slug. Six fifty four slug. That's that's pretty good. Oh yeah, he is. Well, it's one of those things. He's always the guy that his batting average was so bad, it pulled down his slugging percentage. But now that he's actually getting a decent amount of hits, then you can really see that power shine through. And I mean, he'll, it, it doesn't even really look like he's swinging all that hard. And then he'll make contact and the ball will go about 450 feet. And you're like, huh, I guess he really is that strong. <laughs> so. You know, he, he's definitely the guy that if he could carry a 300-plus ISO, it's just a matter of can he keep that batting average up high enough that the power and the okay um, walk percentage will allow him to be a better-than-league-average hitter, which, you know, there was a year or so in Houston where it did and then a couple of years where it didn't, and, hey, that's why we got a guy non-tendered and right. picked him up with two or I think it's three years of club control left. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but we we we're definitely getting his arb years yet, which I think that means he's totally just going to be a let's see him hit well for a little bit and then flip him for some prospects kind of guy. Which not the worst thing to do when you're going to be terrible anyway and you don't have a first baseman. Might as well take a flyer and a guy and see if he can uh, make some tweaks and get him to be of value to someone else. I mean, I could definitely see if he even though he's not going to obviously maintain this uh, 270, 280, whatever he's at right now pace, if he can hang around 250, I could see an American League team having value or seeing value in that, especially with the uh, the state of the DH across a good chunk of the league right now. Quickie, uh, quickie Chris Carter trivia. Do, do you know who drafted Chris Carter? Is it Boston? I mean... I say it's obviously not the Astros because it wouldn't be a trivia question then. I do not. Take a guess. Pick a team. Pick a team. Eric's got the Red Sox. Eric's okay. got the Red Sox. Well, I know it wasn't the Brewers, and I'm pretty sure it must not be the Astros. 
And if Eric's already got the Red Sox, I've got, what is that, a 1 in 27 shot? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Baltimore. The Chicago White Sox. Ah. In the 2005 draft, uh, he was then then traded to Arizona for Carlos Quinton. Mm. And then traded from Arizona to Oakland for Dan Heron. He was traded along with Brett Anderson, Brett Anderson, Aaron Cunningham, Dana Eveland, Carlos Gonzalez, and Greg Smith for Dan Heron. Huh. And then traded and then traded by uh, traded by Oakland to the Astros for Jed Lowry and Fernando Rodriguez. Anyway, that, that okay. concludes that concludes this edition of Chris Carter Trivia. Wow. I did not realize he uh, wound his way through that many different farm systems so far. I, I, did not, I, did not realize, I did not realize he was ever in the White Sox organization. But there you go. Hmm. So Ryan, Ryan Braun is real good this year. Oh, yeah. Ryan Braun has been um, awesome, I guess. <laughs> There's, that is the most family-friendly way to uh, put it. Uh-huh. It's basically um, a lot of his issues the last couple of years have been injury-related. He's had back problems pretty consistently and then um he's got a nerve issue in his right thumb but uh before last off season he started getting a here he got a cryotherapy procedure done which is actually uh to freeze the nerve so it's not causing him pain anymore and it took a minute oh my phone just died so i don't notice that's off the top of my head anymore um it took a few months before they actually figured out that how to properly maintain it. But then from uh, about mid-May, end of May on last year, I think he had about a 135, 140 uh, WRC plus to finish out the year. And now so far this year, he's been up in the 160s, 170s. So it's pretty close to vintage, not, not quite MVP level because now that his body's starting to age, instead of being a, you know, passable left fielder, he's kind of a bad left fielder. So he's not going to put up the kind of crazy wars that he did in uh, 11 and 12, but looking on pace to be about a five, six win player again, which like I was saying before, he's just so fun to to watch swing the bat, that it's nice to see that. And I think he'll end up actually staying in Milwaukee. I know there was a, uh, was it John Heyman today put out a kind of duh article that, Oh, the Cubs are looking into, upgrading left field and hey why not ryan braun and it's like well yeah of course everyone's gonna want to trade for a ryan braun that's batting 350 plus and hitting for all kinds of power and walking and not striking out but uh, that doesn't that doesn't bode well for eric's hopes and dreams of trading jay bruce or i mean i guess it does it does bode well if if braun is expected to stay in milwaukee and I don't know exactly if expects the right word, but I know he's got a no trade clause on like 25 or 23 of 30 teams. And um, I know the angels are on that list and I can't imagine that they're going to be, they would have enough to make that trade, let alone even want to now that even they've lost Simmons for a bit. Um, that news came out today and I think it's them, the Dodgers, um, Arizona, who had been another team with not much left in the farm system. It's a lot of teams in like kind of the Southwest since he's from Southern California that he's actually, the Brewers can just trade him without him waving the no trade clause. So it's, that's, you know, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine that if the management went up to him and said, Hey, we're looking to trade you. You know, this is what we've got. He wouldn't be willing to waive it, but you know, it's just an extra hurdle, and especially between the baggage, both the steroid and it, which I don't think is that important, but mostly the injury baggage, along with a contract that, as much as people like to make fun of it, is actually probably about what he would sign for on the open market right now, just because of how much salaries have gone up in the last few years. That the, uh, I think it's. Five for, oh, what is it even? Five for 90? Yeah. So maybe a, a touch yeah, more than he would sign for, but yeah, it's actually it's not really, that yeah. bad of a contract anymore, especially if uh, he that, is even the annual remotely value, back. The annual values for the next uh, six 
seasons here. Well, five seasons plus an option year. 20, mm-hmm. 20, 20, 19, 17, and then a mutual option for 15. And I want to say there's a three or four million dollar buyout on that mutual option. So yeah, four. actually four. So yeah, to even exercise, it's only 11. So that is actually what five for 75 plus the option year. So it must be. No, not quite. Ah, whatever. I can't do the arithmetic in my head at the moment. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he's what, been... what are you? Yeah, what what are you looking forward to this season though? Like, is there is there a is there a player who or or two who are who's gonna come up for the Brewers and kind of yeah, that player is worth watching. That player is that player is someone that we should be looking out for in the next couple years. Well, definitely. Um, come about you know mid June when we can confidently say you're past the Super Two deadline. Expect to see um Orlando Arcia to come up from. Uh, AAA. He's a shortstop prospect. I know he's, I think, it was ranked somewhere between as high as seven by Keith Law, roughly that range, down to about 15 by um, 2080 baseball, which is most of the old baseball prospectus crew. Or about uh, half yeah. of it. Yeah. So they're, yeah, he's a very, very highly ranked prospect. He's been the type that was uh, known to be a major league quality defender at shortstop since about the age of 20 when he was playing in high A. And then um, last year at Biloxi, he really started to come on hitting, and he's kind of continued that in Colorado, showing a lot more power than you would have guessed originally because he's kind of a slight guy, um, kind of you know almost the polar opposite of his older brother, Oswaldo, where you know Oswaldo's this big, hunky, hulking uh, slugger who's a corner outfielder, and Orlando's this spry... Um, uh, thin middle infielder, but he's got a surprising amount of power. Um, might not be a ton of home run power at the big league level, but he should be able to hit for 20 or 30 doubles, you know, 10, 15 home runs and playing a uh, 60 grade shortstop. You know, he's going to be a all-star in some years. And if he has, a, you know, the one real good offensive year, he might even be a down ballot MVP kind of guy. I'd expect him to come up, yeah, sometime in June, you know, roughly once he can get fairly confident past that ar- kind of arbitrary Super 2 deadline. Um, he's the main guy coming up. They've also got uh, the other big position player prospect was uh, Michael Reed, who he's kind of got a very wide opinions where uh, actually Keith Law is a guy that thinks he's good enough to play center field which he would be, whereas um, some of the other guys think he's a uh, corner outfielder. And I think the best comp for his game is kind of Nori Aoki, uh, former Brewer, where it's former Brewer, probably right. a corner outf- Yeah, exactly. Uh, first uh, Japanese signing that the Brewers had, actually, a few years back. Um, oh, hey, where he back. Yeah, he's a, but yeah, you know, kind of a corner outfielder, maybe can play center, fake it well enough to play some center field that doesn't hit for all that much power, you know, maybe below league average in power, but he, he makes up for it by just being on base all the time. So it's, you know, a non-traditional corner outfield look, but uh, might be able to make it work. And especially if he does happen to be able to play center field, he'll definitely be at least average offensively. And even then he'd only have to play center for about a year or two because down in double A, uh, the Brewers have Brett Phillips, who was the centerpiece of the Carlos Gomez deal last year. And uh, at this point, he's probably the most famous for there was a video in spring training of Will Smith telling him dad jokes that for some reason, <laughs> Brett Phillips thought was hilarious. And he has kind of an interesting laugh where he's, he's he was almost like wheezing while he was laughing. And I, I don't know how well that hit nationally, but I know around here in Milwaukee, that was a pretty big hit. Uh, but he's another guy. He's a no, he's a, definitely a center fielder and might have the ability to hit for decent, decent enough power and above average power for a center fielder. And he can, you know, run throw field. So very exciting players to watch um, on the pitching side. The one, 
they got a couple right now. The pitching definitely lacks behind the hitting, but they've got a couple of guys and Jorge Lopez who came on pretty strong last year in double A, although he's been struggling a bit in triple uh, A this year, but that's pr- might be partially due to uh, Colorado being that he's a, uh, Curveball is his big off-speed pitch, and I think we all know how tough it is to throw anything like that in Colorado. And uh, the Sky Sox are even higher up than um, the Rockies, and they don't have a humidor the same way the Rockies do, so it's even tougher. And then they got a lefty, another guy they got from um, in the Carlos Gomez-Mike Fires deal, uh, Josh Hader, which he might be a reliever because he kind of throws from that low three-quarter slot, only unlike Chris Sale, he's not like seven feet tall, so he kind of can't get away with it as much. Um, but right now, he's got an ERA under one in double-A. That's that's pretty Which, good. Yeah, exactly. He, and he'll he's the type that, even if he can't stick as a starter, he would be the Brewers' closer for four or five years. I think you could very recently pencil him in between his fastball and slider combination that lefties will have no chance against him and it should be good enough to get righties outed not unlike uh will smith's um profile who was the presumptive bruise closer before he got hurt in spring training and yeah i think those are the well, excuse me the top guys in the upper minors that you might see at some point this year, um, a lot of the other guys are down in um, either low A or extended where they're some of the younger guys. Like I actually know um, Trent Clark, our, the first round pick from last year, just made his uh, low A debut today. I was actually kind of getting up to Appleton. Timber Atlas game. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, this is going to be a year where it's, looking down into the farm system a lot more than worrying too much about what's on the big league club right now. This, I, I kind of had the same uh, lies I was telling myself that Eric did a couple weeks ago when he wrote his uh, great season to be a Reds fan post. But, you know, three, weeks in, three four weeks in the season, it's already been a long, long year. So I don't know if another five months of that. The lie probably won't be able to sustain me through it too much longer you know the thing about the brewers is they they still have hank the dog oh man there is a big hank the dog thing during spring training this year where oh that was one of my favorite things that was one of my favorite things eric you or were were you aware of the uh the hank the dog kerfuffle in spring training it sounds familiar yeah, somebody from uh, Brew Crew Ball, which is the Brewers SB Nation site, wrote a conspiracy theory post about how the original Hank the Dog died and that he was very discreetly um, replaced by a different dog. And it got so far as that the uh, vet that checked him out really did a press release through the Brewers about how the microchip matches and it's actually the same dog. And it I was, just, it was, it was glorious. It was, it was a glorious moment. I mean, it, when it, that press conference happened, it, <laughs> Hell, when it was announced, yeah. when it was announced, it was incredible. I mean, it was, it turned out okay because it's the same dog, but I was just thinking the whole time, like, man, if this dog really did die, um, the member of the Brewers front office that took him home has four kids between the ages of like six and twelve. Oh, they imagine would be being heartbroken. A, imagine being a six to twelve year old, having your dog die, and then having a bunch of idiots on the internet make jokes about how your dog died oh, and uh, was replaced by a different dog. I was like, come on, guys! Like, hopefully they don't read the internet. I mean. Maybe the younger ones probably don't, but I'm sure the the oldest ones on Twitter by now are. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Maybe well, at that age, he's probably skipped past Twitter and just went to yeah Snapchat. The Brewer, so maybe they yeah. missed it, but the Brewers team Snapchat. Yeah. Hey, Rob, <laughs> I have an important question for you. Okay. So on a lost episode of this podcast, we played a game called Can You Name <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers? Oh gosh. 
Do you think you could name 10 Milwaukee Brewers? Yes, I can name 10 Milwaukee Brewers. That's it, it, it hasn't gotten to that point yet. Give it a few months. I, I think Ross, Ross has mentioned uh, close to 10. Close to 10 so far. He did better on this than podcast. we did. Oh, he did much better than we did. He did much better than we did. The the last episode on the last episode, uh, we got I know for sure we got Braun and Jeremy Jeffress uh, and Chris Carter. Oh, and Luke Roy. So we got to we we got halfway there, I think. But this was this was in fairness, this was like the second week of the season, and it was before any of our teams had played the Brewers, I think. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and I guess the Brewers did turn over like. 45% of the roster from last year. So I guess, and you know, half of the guys, it, it was kind of like the scene. And maybe the, one dog, depending on who you ask. Yeah, exactly. But it was kind of like the scene from the beginning of Major League where they're, everybody's looking Everybody. at the paper and like, who are these guys? So I, I guess I can't blame you too much. But it, it definitely... It it hurt when I uh, when I saw you guys tweeting about that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ross. It's, sorry. it's well, okay. At least, at least you at least you never had to hear it with your own ears. Yeah, <laughs> would have been yelling at my phone. Yeah, right. Just like all my coworkers are coming in, like, what's going on? I was like, don't worry about it. It's just the brews are really terrible this year. <laughs> I wanna um I wanna throw it over to Eric right now. Uh in- inspired by inspired by something that our friend Rob Mains just just now tweeted on on the website twitter.com where he says uh that he's that he has heard the Reds bullpen is bad. Is this true? Is this true, Eric? Is the Reds' bullpen bad? The reason he said that is because the Reds just beat the Pirates and miraculously held a lead in the ninth inning. Whoa, what? That's weird. Uh, which is, is a weird feeling to have so far this season. Why is that weird, Eric? Well, because uh, prior uh, – fan draft probably doesn't update that soon. They were tied with the Twins uh, for last in baseball with two saves coming into tonight. And uh, this will be number three, so we're number 29. That's not bad. <laughs> it's not last. But it's, uh, it's gotten to the point I fully expect them – uh, not to hang on to games. I wrote something last Monday uh, looking at Reds pitching, and a lot of this was the bullpen and injuries, but the bullpen a lot. Uh, there's been over 100 seasons of Reds baseball. And, yes, there uh, have. And yes, this, have. this past April was one of the five worst in Reds history by OPS+. Plus. That's, that's pretty bad. Uh, con- con- especially considering that they didn't care about things like OPS Plus back the first oh, 115 years of Cincinnati Reds history. wasn't great, and uh, it doesn't help that three uh, Lamb, uh, he got hurt again. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's hurt. I don't know any of the pitchers anymore. I was like, Eric, can you name 10 guys on the Reds' current 25-man roster? I could do that. If you pressed me on pictures, though, they could be scattered wherever. I need the DL to make it happen. <laughs> it's been rough. Yeah, you kind of would. You kind of would. I'm looking at this. I, I see it. I do see five guys on the DL. Five pitches on the DL. Oh, Rob, uh, friend of the podcast, Rob Maines, just let me know. The uh, Pirates are tied for the NL lead in OPS Plus, so that is a big achievement for us. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey, way to go. Way to go. Hey, I'm going to have another glass of boxed wine after that. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey celebrate. Uh, here's, to, here's to the Reds' bullpen. Break out the naked great Moscato. Do we, <laughs> wait, uh, do people... are, are, the Brewers, are the Brewers playing tonight? Uh, yeah, Ross? we're losing. Or Ross? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, they're down to the Marlins 4 to nothing. At okay. Last time I checked. But Jose Fernandez was pitching for the... Uh, Marlins. So even if the Brewers weren't terrible, 
they were probably going to lose tonight anyway. So, so actually, uh, this this will this will flip Cincinnati and Milwaukee in the standings. Uh oh. Yeah, this will put this will put Cincinnati in fourth and drop the Brewers to fifth. If this if if the Brewers score holds, I have a feeling. I mean, a race to watch all season. The last time the Brewers played the Marlins, the Marlins had a no hitter through eight and a third innings and still almost gave up a six run lead. So anything's possible. Fun to watch. Yeah, I, I had some friends that were at that game and they were booing when uh when. Mattingly pulled him. Brandon, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Eric. I took a little trip yesterday. Oh, yeah. I was at the friendly confines. This is what I heard. As you a, saw history. As a fan of the Cubs. Yeah. Does, does something inside of you die a little bit when you see them so afraid to pitch to Bryce Harper? No, that actually. Competitive juices inside of you just drain out. Not really. I mean, I guess it's, you know, because I, so on, uh, I know that the Cubs are, the Cubs are an incredibly process oriented organization. It's all about, it's all about process. It's all about doing things well and you do things well enough. You'll get, and you, and you do it with repetition over and over again that you'll, you'll, you will get the results that you desire. Right. And And in this case, I I don't always, I I can't say with complete certainty that that guaranteeing Bryce Harper a one thousand on base percentage is the best process. But you know what? But I cannot argue with the result from Apparently it is when from, Ryan sitting behind him from the series. I guess yeah, say, and, isn't Ryan Zimmerman? Yeah, and I guess so. So yeah. So I guess it's Ryan. It's 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 about Ryan Zimmerman, right? And. But the thing is, like, even if even if Daniel Murphy was hitting cleanup, I mean, I know how much Daniel Murphy, uh, you know, killed the Cubs in the NLCS last year. Like, I'm not I'm not necessarily convinced that that's that that's a difference between a sweep and a split. You know, like, I I yeah, I'm 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 not convinced that that's the case. There's too much going on with sequencing and too much going on with. Uh, I don't know weird butterfly effects and stuff. So uh, I, that's that's not a baseball reason or anything. But I I have no problem with it. Like uh, Sam, Sam and Sam and Ben were talking about it on the on the podcast this morning, and and I I think I I agree with Sam on on Tanner Roark's take. Like it's it's definitely hot. The take was definitely hot, <laughs> but but. I, I also don't think his I don't I don't think Roark is wrong, and I also don't think that it's bad strategy either. Yeah, it was super fun to watch from the stands, though. <laughs> I'm pre- if you turn your TV up real loud, you uh-huh. might be able to hear me audibly groan in the thirteenth when it happened. It's it's weird because you were sitting in the bleachers, and I know they put those mics by the you know closer to home plate. I made an accident. There's a there's a little mistake I made. Oh no, you made an accident. Made oh, no. an accident. Let's walk that sentence back. <laughs> if, you, if you take a picture of the Javi Baez homer landing in the outfield bleachers in the top left hand corner of your screen, you can accidentally see me arms raised above my head. I'm going to try and convince you I was just excited that the game was over. <laughs> I've been sucked in a little bit. Just a little bit? Just a little bit. You know, I'll uh, I'll I'll post the I'll include that image in the in the post for this podcast on banishedthepen.com so so everyone can see and and perhaps I'll perhaps I'll take a minute to superimpose a circle around where Eric is. Uh, for, so as so that so that you can see him, so you can see him in this in this photo. After um, seven and a half hours in the bleachers, I was excited about the home run. You you were excited about the home run. And you were excited about the game being over. I'm sure you could go home. You could end this. In, you could incre- You could end this incredibly epic road trip that you just went on. It was a long week. Four days, not a week. Four days. 
it's, it's a long it's a long weekend. That that but that's a great long weekend. You hit you hit Toronto, Detroit, Cleveland, and Chicago, right? Yeah, four straight nights. So it was great. I will say I love Toronto, the city. Uh, I can do without the ballpark. So don't tell Oof. DJs fans, but it's. Uh, I mean, did, did you ever go to Riverfront when the Reds played there? No. Okay. If you imagine, it's a circle with chairs in it and a dome on top, and like nothing to distinguish it. I mean that uh, that was that was the age of cookie cutters. It was right. So yeah, you take the three rivers, riverfront, whatever it was, put a roof on it, tight seats. You've got the Rogers Center. May have been my favorite city, least favorite ballpark of the trip. Hey Eric. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jake Arrieta started yesterday. You saw Jake Arrieta pitch. What did you think? I did. So before the game, he was doing long toss with the catcher. And he he threw the ball from pretty deep, and it hit off the catcher's glove and hit a fan in the stands. And my buddy sat next to me said, all right, his head's going to be out of the game. So that may be the reason that nobody knows that Jake struggled yesterday. Interesting. Interesting. You're onto something. You're providing me some inside information that I didn't have, that I did not have previously. You only get this from... Being at the bleachers two hours before the game. No, it's it's true. It's true. And you know, uh, Ross, you were you were on the pot the the regular Banish to the Pen podcast with uh, Ryan Sullivan, the Baron of All Baseball podcast, when he when he threw down an incredibly hot take about about Jake Arrieta throwing the no hitter against the Reds and being left in for 119 pitches. Um, and, it was and- scorching. It was it was scorching hot. Uh, apologies to Ryan. I love Ryan. Ryan was just in town, and unfortunately, I did not I did not have a chance to catch him while he was in Chicago to catch the the Nationals and a wrestling match. Uh, and a wrestling match. On the uh, the aforementioned missing podcast, you mean Chris Afuli dismissed it pretty pretty quickly. That hot take. Yeah, we yeah we all we all dismissed we all dismissed it pretty well. Uh, the thing is, you know. I, you know, since since then his his strikeout rate has not been, or his strikeout to walk rate has not been great. Uh, in, even in the no hitter though, we're talking <laughs> six strikeouts, four walks. Next start, six strikeouts, four walks. Next start, five strikeouts, two walks, and then Sunday start seven strikeouts, four walks. Uh, his his ERA is is back up over one, <laughs> which. You know, I don't know. His ERA is over one. What What are you gonna do? Sometimes, sometimes pitchers have ERAs over one. Eh, it's It's weird. It's weird. Uh, but I I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with Jake Arrieta or anything. I think we're we're a couple we're a couple starts out of that. Uh, we're a couple starts out of the no hitter. So so we have some time to reflect on on the on the hot take, but. Uh, look, looking back, I'm. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I I worry about Jake Arrieta, but I think I I kind of worry about Jake Arrieta and whether this is, uh, or at the very least, the the signs of regression that that maybe people have been expecting since last season. Um, not necessarily that he's gonna turn into a pumpkin, but that he's gonna go back. Uh, to resembling something closer to Jake Arrieta of of twenty fourteen rather than twenty fifteen or even the first half of of twenty fifteen. What was what were your thoughts on how on how he actually threw yesterday, Eric? Uh, I mean, you could tell command was kind of an issue just from watching. But uh, I'll say this from the from the stands where I was, Arietta was not the main point of concern for Cubs fans yesterday. They were riding Jason Hayward pretty hard. Is that a, oh. is that a sentiment? Oh, you mean in the bleachers? Oh yeah, they were letting him have. It. Yeah, I well, I heard audibly once, screamed as loud as a guy could, quit hitting like a cardinal, and then he was booed a couple of times. Ooh, that that is a that's a pretty sick burn. It's a pretty sick burn. Sorry, Alex. Pretty. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty sick burn, but uh, you know. I mean, 
you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how how people are gonna go rag on a guy when your team's <laughs> when your team's like, uh, you know, almost twenty games over five hundred in in early May. <laughs> like, how are you gonna go rag on a guy? I mean, I'm 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 fairly confident Jason Hayward's gonna turn it around, and I'm not worried about him. But you know, pretty pretty rich of those guys, I guess. Speaking of the uh, 800 start to the season, I did have a Cubs buddy who sat next to me. At some point during the game, turn and say, "Do you know how much worse this is going to make losing in the NLCS this year?" <laughs> and so, <laughs> the spirit is alive and well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I going back to Hayward, I can kind of understand why you're getting on a guy that you just paid all of the money to, and his isolated slugging is under .05. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I get it. I, maybe yeah, it's a he, little early, but somehow like he has, has a positive WAR. He has, yeah. He has, he has not been good. He has, he has not been good with the bat. But, but yeah, he, he still has, he still has positive WAR. He's good. Uh, you know, he's good. He's good with the glove. He's good on the base paths. Like these are things that we knew about Jason Hayward, and that's, you know, and and that's. That's that's why I'm I'm mostly not worried. I mean, uh, the hitting I'm confident the hitting will come around. You know, I'm I'm confident the hitting will come around. Well, and you saw that yesterday because there was he made a diving catch in the outfield at one point, and he did some. I mean, obviously he did some things well that I don't think people are as apt to pick up on. But there was the struggles at the plate, and then there was the I don't remember what inning it was, but it was late, and the the ground ball hit him while he was running to second. And it kind of killed their oof, chances oof. in the game once, and so there were just a few things that kind of mounted for him yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'll come around. Yeah, he'll come around. It's early May. It's early May. Earlier today, uh, our our friend Sam Miller from Baseball Prospectus, host of the Effectively Wild podcast, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. Uh, he asked for predictions on Jake Arrieta's FIP and ERA the rest of 2016. Here, here is some context. Uh, this year, Jake Arrieta has a 2.78 FIP and a 1.13 ERA. Over the last two seasons, or over the past two years, Sam phrases a tweet, over the last two years, that's a 2.42 FIP and 1.66 ERA. What are his FIP and ERA for the rest of 2016, Ross? Okay. I will go with a 2.7 FIP. So I think he'll get that. He'll cut down on the walks a little bit. Even if he doesn't get the strikeouts back, he'll still be able to get his FIP down a touch. And I think his ERA ends up 2.6. So not a huge gap this time because even if he's not pitching as well, I think that Cubs defense is just so good that it wouldn't shock me if the whole team outperforms their fit by uh, a decent margin. So I'm going to go with 2.7 and 2.6 for FIP and ERA. All right. All right. Eric, what do you got? Oh, let's see. I'll buy in a little bit to – What's going on? I'll I'll say his fit gets up to three, and I'll give him a two and a two point five ERA. Okay. All right. I had a two point eight FIP and a two point oh oh ERA. Uh, I basically pulled those numbers out of thin air. I did not consult his Baseball Reference page, and it is what it is. All right. We will we'll return to those numbers at the end of the year, and. See who wins. This is the this is the Jake Arietta FIP ERA game, and uh, and we'll see who from an NL Central podcast gets to win. Uh, the prize is nothing uh, except I don't know marginal bragging rights, I suppose. All right, Ross, you you have a play index. I do. It was uh, partially, well, partially um, uh, inspired by Bryce Harper's game that. Um, Eric was at, and I'm partially inspired by a tweet Alex, uh, Chris Foley sent out, um, another member of the NNL Central podcast crew. Um, he tweeted out the last time a Cardinal had a game like this, and he defined it as 
five plus plate appearances with zero at bats because you know that kind of captures what Harper would have had in a regulation nine inning game. Um, so I was like, huh, I wonder what the last time this happened in a Brewers game. So I went to the play and this was a very uh, simple search. It was just a batting game finder where I set plate appearances five plus and um, at bats to equal zero. There are two of them in Brewers history. One of them was a name I didn't recognize from the very first season they played in Milwaukee. So I was like, ah, whatever. I don't care about that one. <laughs> one of them was by 80 grade named Sixto Lescano, who was a brewer in the late 70s. Um, I think he, he left not just before the uh, 81 and 82 teams that made the playoffs. Well, Sixto Lescano had a game where he had five plate appearances, four walks, and a reached on error that actually did not end in an at-bat because it was a sacrifice bunt attempt where there was a... Let me see if I can just make sure I say it correctly. There was an E1, so there must have a bad throw by uh, Orioles pitcher... Uh, Joe Kerrigan allowed Lescano to reach. So not only did he have the, oh, actually, he didn't have four walks. He had five walks. He had four regular and an intentional. So he had six plate appearances, or and or no, actually only five because that's right. Sack bunts don't actually count as a plate appearance for some weird reason. So he had five plate appearances, five walks, and a reach on error. And this was in a, an April game at County Stadium played in front of 6,500 people. And I just checked the weather report for that day. It was a balmy 39 degree high on Saturday, April 8th, 1987. Which wow. I think tell, that tells you exactly why Miller Park has a roof. But yeah, interesting tidbit. Couldn't be two more different starts. Uh Moose Haas started for the Brewers, gave up three runs in the top of the first, but still proceeded to throw a complete game. <laughs> versus uh, Dennis Martinez, who gave up hey, five Dennis runs, Martin. gave up five runs without recording a single out, and then led the way to Joe Kerrigan, who promptly allowed the bases to be loaded and gave up a grand slam. So the Brewers scored eight runs in the first inning, and it included a three-run homer and a Grand Slam in a game in which Sixto Lescano did the Bryce Harper, but still reached on an error and somehow didn't have an at-bat on his reach on error. That's fun. I thought so as well. And Alex, I kind of tweeted about that. He was like, could I guess who this happened to? And I was like, I mean, maybe, but it would have required a couple of hints, so I didn't want to make you guys have to guess it. I figure if you can, if you guys can't name ten bre- current brewers, it'd be a little mean to try and have you pick out a brewer from 1978. I I definitely <laughs> would not have guessed Sixto Lescano. Definitely not. I mean, from that era, Rob Deere maybe. He sure, was, sure, <laughs> Rob Deere. Yeah, he was a three true outcome guy before we knew what three true outcomes was. Sure, sure, right, yeah. Yeah, you don't know who Rob Deere is, do you? Uh, he was, a. uh, no, I guess I don't. (laughs) I was gonna, I was gonna say, wasn't he a Cub? No, he wasn't Cub. Sorry. No, he was not. Rob Deere was not a Cub. I think he was Brewers, Tigers, mostly. Yeah, Brewers and Tigers. Yeah, Brewers, Tigers. Yeah. Giants, Red Sox, Padres, too. Mm -hmm. I know, while we're on the, while we're on the subject of Brewers trivia... Uh-huh. Today's the 32nd uh, anniversary of the Brewers-White Sox 25-inning um, game that actually had to be suspended after 17 innings. And they picked it up the next day because at the time you couldn't uh, start an inning after 1 a.m. And Tom Seaver actually won both games uh, May 9th, the continuation of the 25-inning game and the normal nine-inning game. So back-to-back days, they played 17 innings, 
And I'm pretty sure that would not be allowed to happen nowadays. Just, just a guess. And Tom Seaver definitely wouldn't be allowed to throw all 17 innings of uh, that baseball. But yeah, longest game in uh, MLB history and second longest, second most amount of innings in MLB history. Wow. Hey, guys. Hey. What's up, Eric? Joey Votto got five walks once. Oh, yeah? Uh, September 23rd, 2013. Five plate appearances, five walks. Hey, hey. I checked the Cubs while we were doing this, Brandon. Uh-huh. They have never done the five walks, no at-bats. The closest was Elrod Hendricks in 1972. Five walks, one at bat. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Was did did Ron Santo ever have a four plate appearance though at that game? I bet a lot of Cubs have had four plate appearance though at bat games. And I I only say Ron Santo because I think he he told a story during a blowout game once about how he was able to keep a hitting streak alive. Uh, but I could also be wrong. Four Cubs have had five walks in a game. Uh, I'll, I'll do the uh, four plate appearance no at-bat games. It is currently loading. You think anybody's still listening? <laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> no. let's see. Oh, no, yeah, Ron Santo okay. totally did that. <laughs> Good. No. My, my, my recollection of, of Cubs radio broadcasts did not fail me in this particular moment. Oh, actually, Santo almost did the five plate appearance five walks thing but he had a five plate appearance four walk one hit by pitch oh mm-hmm. he had a hit by pitch that's screwed that's what screws it up yep did not score any runs in that three to four loss of the cubs <laughs> that that sounds that sounds like that 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 sounds like Cubs history right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's that is so perfectly Cubs, but not 2016 Cubs, not 2016 Cubs. Ugh. Maybe the Cubs of the past, but not the Cubs, not the Cubs of today. <laughs> let's let's wrap it up, guys. Who what are what are the what are the games this week? What are the games this week? The Cubs are playing the Padres. Uh, right now, not right now, because the game got rained out. But they've got three against the Pirates, this, the pa- Padres this week. Uh, the Brewers got the Marlins. The Pirates are at the Reds, and St. Louis is at Anaheim. And then over the weekend, the Pirates are in Chicago to face the Cubs. Ooh. Reds go to Philadelphia. Uh. Brewers host the Padres, and Cardinals are in Los Angeles. How are you feeling about this week, guys? Ah, kind of the same way I feel about every other week for the Brewers this year. Probably not going to be yeah. too hot, but Count, counting uh, counting the days till Packers training camp. What I didn't tell you off air is that when I was stopping to buy this beer that I'm drinking tonight, it's because I was going to watch the NFL draft rather than watching the Brewer game that night because the NFL draft seemed more interesting. <laughs> Wait, which rounds, though? Which rounds? Two and three. <laughs> not, even, not even round one. Nope. <laughs> uh, that's how bad the Brewers are this year. Uh but yeah, then they play the Cubs. At least it was Friday. At least it was Friday, I guess. And I didn't watch it alone. I did watch it with a couple of my old roommates. So <laughs> it was mostly hanging out, and we happened to have the the uh, the draft on. Oh, and looks like I'm not going to Miller Park at all the week before. After that, Cubs are in town, which oh, the, that's oh, not going to be fun. A, which means it's a sellout. No, actually, they haven't. Well, they haven't sold out recently because the Cubs have been terrible. But it does mean that they're going to charge uh, uh, about a fifty percent premium over the normal uh, face value of all these tickets because the Cubs are coming up. It's the Illinois tax. Oh, 
Yeah, you know, it's the uh, it's it's two uh, things. Sorry. It's the it's the it's the Illinois tax and it's the it's the revenue from the speeding tickets that that they hit Illinois drivers oh, with as they're as they're heading up ninety four. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a big uh, that's but that's a big uh line that's, item that's in big. the uh, yeah. Milwaukee County budget. <laughs> right, <laughs> it really is. You know, that's what happens when you don't have tolls. You know, no no tolls means you you got to hit the out of staters with the tickets and. Mm-hmm. When do you when do you do that during Cubs weekends and Summerfest? Uh, Eric, Eric, how are you feeling about how are you feeling about the Reds this week? Oh, uh, good against the Phillies. We're undefeated against the Phillies. Oh hey. Um, and we're one up on the Pirates. So, you know. How about how about y'all win a couple more against the Pirates? That'd be nice. That would be nice. How? Oh, but that? Oh man. Yeah, when you're going to win 109 games, I don't think you have to worry about second place. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking well, uh, speaking of taxes, Saturday night before the Cubs game, I paid a blackjack tax. And by that, I mean I lost money playing blackjack. <laughs> uh, wait, where did, you, where did you go to play blackjack? Uh, four wins in New Buffalo, Michigan. Oh, hey, New Buffalo. New Buffalo is nice. It was a good, uh, uh, good broke the trip up well. We had an 18-year-old uh, dealer, and he—he uh, was having the night of his life. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Uh, did did you? Uh, did you also partake in the buffet? I didn't. We had eaten on the way up. It was 11. We didn't get there till 11, which was probably our first mistake. And then, uh, no, it was in and out pretty quick. So, like. Do you do you employ a certain blackjack strategy, or do you just kind of go for it? There's an app you can download that will actually tell you if you're making the right decision. Are you are you allowed to have your cell phone on the table? Oh no, they'll shut that down quick. But mm-hmm. on the two hour drive, I I was up to like ninety three percent making the right decision. But that doesn't help when eighteen year old Mitch gets blackjacked every time. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Mitch! Comfortable when a lady uh, just flat out asked him, "Is this your first day, Mitch?" And he said, <laughs> three people got up and left." <laughs> oh on, man! On that note, on that note, <laughs> this is why you can't be... have a Brewers and a Reds fan on one episode. <laughs> Because it just because it devolves into into Brandon not having strong takes and and Ross and Eric being uh, delusional. <laughs> delusional. I was gonna say dejected. Oh, dejected. Dejected's the right word. I um, am totally delusional about how bad the Brewers are this year. You are you are illusional. I, I didn't I didn't mean to imply that you're you're not delusional. Uh, dejected. Dejected is better. Uh, more, uh, more apt to to devolve. More, more apt to, uh, whatever. That's gonna be an NL podcast <laughs> this week. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm Brandon Lee. I'm gonna be. I'll be in. I'll be on the internet. Eric Eric Roseberry. He's a red reporter. <laughs> Ross Buckowitz. He's a banish to the pen. Her Twitter accounts will be on the on the post. <laughs> That'll be all. Good night. <laughs>